Welcome to the See the Miracle podcast. I'm your host, Brady Murray. And I'm your co-host, Andrea Murray. Our podcast will feature inspiring guests within the special abilities community. Together, we will be sharing how families and communities are rising up and seeing the miracle of individuals with special abilities. That's something to be proud of. That's a life you can hang your hand. Hi, welcome to the See the Miracle podcast. We're excited to be back. It's been a couple of weeks since Brady and I have had the chance to um, get on here and do a podcast together. Uh, I think the last one Brady recorded was when he finished his Kokoro event, and we're super excited to report back about that because Bailey, the little girl that his group was, has been advocating for, has already had a family commit to adopt her. So we're really, really happy about that. Yeah, we, we have a great trend going right now where <clears throat> we're getting some of these older children that are in need of families adopted. And so that was a special thing to be able to fundraise as a group. We had a goal to raise $5,900 in uh, honor of Kokoro 59. We were the class 59 and we were fortunately able to do that with some generous donations that came in. And and then we just barely found out that Bailey has a family committed to her. Yeah, so we're really excited about that. Um, It happened pretty quickly and we love to see that happen. So hopefully she'll be able to be united with her family before long. Also as well, let's see, Brady just is recovering from COVID. He's had COVID the last week and that was rough. That was my first, first time getting COVID and I survived. I feel like I should get a t-shirt or something on that. (laughs) It was rough. It was it was the real deal. Yeah, he um, definitely had it the worst that any of us have had it, and I think we have all pretty much had it now. So, and thankfully, we didn't get it when Brady did. So, hopefully, we keep our fingers crossed that we don't. Yep. So far, so good. Excellent. This yeah. is the last week of school for the kids. How's that? How's that make it you is. feel, Andrea? That's more of a big deal for I think moms than it is for anybody. You know, I am excited. I just have mixed emotions about it because it's great having the schedule and kind of the consistency that school brings. But I'm just about as ready for a break from their homework as they are. So <laughs> I'm tired of trying to get them to do their homework. So I think it's going to be awesome to have a little bit of a break. Good. What's your plan for the summer? Well. We are, we're actually going to do a little mini Kokoro camp for our kids. Um, Not really Kokoro, I guess, but we're just trying to commit them to doing hard things and to working together as a team this summer. So we have some things that we have planned. Um, We signed all the kids up for a run club that is in our neighborhood. So we're really excited about that. We told them we're not sleeping in all summer. We're going to get up early and we're going to do our come follow me lesson and then go to run club. And then I'm also making each of them commit to reading time every day and keeping their room clean. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> if that's the last you've heard about it on our podcast, you know how it went. But hopefully we get to the end of the summer, <laughs> we can we do can a podcast back. about it. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Okay. So today we, we would like to, as we were thinking about what we'd like to talk about, we, we felt strongly that we wanted to talk about our journey in foster care. And this is something that we, I would say the journey still continues. This, this movie is still being filmed right now. Yeah. We were, we were debating what we should talk about. And I was telling Brady, I feel like we are just still right in the middle of it, but, but we can definitely share the things that we have learned and felt so far. So we'll try and do that. So probably to start off, uh, when Andrea and I were uh, first married, we wanted to have a, a child pretty quick. And so it uh, actually took us a number of years, though, before we were able to have a child. 
And I remember as we were going through some of those challenges of, of trying to bring a child into our family, that's when we started to talk about uh, adoption. It was something that we actually talked about when we were dating, but it's when we, and it was at this time when we started to seriously consider it and actually contemplate that. That's the yeah. first time that I remember Andrea bringing up to me uh, the possibility of doing foster care. And so for me, foster care um, really was not something that I had a desire to do. I had a lot of um, maybe some beliefs and some some thoughts on, on not wanting to do that and why I didn't want to do that that I can share in a little bit. But that was not necessarily in the cards for me and definitely not something I was overly motivated to do at the time. Maybe you can yeah. share your, your thoughts around foster care in those early years. Yeah. So like Brady was saying, after we got married and we had some challenges um, having a baby and we didn't know for sure if we would be able to have biological children or not. And so when we found that out, I just started thinking about all the other different possibilities and thinking, you know, if we don't have biological children, like I still want to have children. And so, you know, I started looking into like adoption and foster care. And of course, at the time, Brady and I uh, were poor college students. And so I had just graduated from college and was just working and he was going to school and we really didn't have money to be able to adopt. But we, you know, we still looked into it and found all these cute kids internationally that we could adopt possibly. And, and then also we you know, I thought about, about foster care, but like Brady said, every time I would bring up, well, maybe we could do foster care. Brady was like, no, we're not doing that. And so eventually though, we actually had Brinley. And so that was awesome. And then after we had, after we had Brinley, we had Nash and then Ridge and then a little five-year gap and then Mason. And so, you know, for a while there, um, we kind of just didn't worry about adoption or foster care. And then I would say, let's see, Probably. So after, after we had Mason and after we had Cooper, we adopted Cooper. Yes. And, and after we adopted Cooper from China, we actually kind of considered adoption again because we had such a positive experience in China and adopting Cooper that I remember we, we talked about adopting actually a little girl. Cause we thought, you know, Brinley needs a sister. She has all these brothers and maybe we could adopt one more little girl from China. And we actually were looking and we're kind of excited about that when all of a sudden China passed their um, no more than five children in a family rule. And so when that happened, we kind of just dropped that ball again. We said, yeah, okay, we this, we this were is out. not going to happen. We had five children. <laughs> we had five children. So we knew we were not going to be able to adopt again from China. So then we kind of just thought, you know, like we're great with these five kids. Like these five kids are keeping us busy and life is good. And you know, we're just kind of moving on with life, but it was probably, probably when we, probably when I heard Ashley Rhodes Quarter talk again, um, she, Ashley Rhodes Quarter is a woman who grew up in Florida in the foster care system. And she was adopted at the age of, I believe it was 12. And she was a grown woman when I met her in 2017. Um, I met her in Florida at a conference. Brady's work had a, a conference down in Florida that we went to, and she was one of the speakers that they had invited for the wives of the GAs to come and listen to. And so we got to go and listen to her story, and she just shared her experience, and she had actually written a book about it, which she gave us a copy of. And then we did a service project at the end for children in foster care. So anyway... 
hearing her speak and reading her book was just, it just really ignited a fire in me, I guess you could say, to want to help those children that found themselves in that situation. And so I remember like I, she, I got the book and I actually read all in like one night, like I stayed up all night cause we were at a hotel and <laughs> Brady was sleeping and I was there with my little lamp on just like reading the whole book. Cause it was so, I just wanted to see like what happened and her, what her experience was. And, um, it was really good and not, not a good story, I guess. It's like sad. This, the things that she went to, but incredible to see where she had been and where she was currently in her life. And so and to just see the difference that her her family that adopted her made for her. And so I wanted Brady to read that book. So I'm like, you got to read this book. And at first he was like, oh, I don't know. But eventually, I guess I bugged him enough about it that he decided that he would read it as well. And do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah. <clears throat> and like I had said, Andrea had brought up foster care before this. And really my reaction and, and my, my reservation stemmed from you know, not wanting to be able to ever put our other children at harm and so in harm's way. So I had concern that, you know, you sign up to become a foster parent and children that you're going to invite into your home oftentimes come from very difficult circumstances and may have some just challenges and behavioral issues or things that they've experienced and seen in their life that could be detrimental to your children. And so that that was a big reason why I had reservations around that. And, and I was fairly adamant about it when Andrea would bring that up. But definitely something changed when we were in Florida. Man, I could see in Andrea's eyes and just in her countenance the experience that she had actually having met Ashley. And then after she had read the book, um, that was something I knew she was very serious about. And so it was at that point in time where I said, you know what? I can see there's something there. I can see that Andrea is passionate about this. And so I'll agree to read the book. And, and I did. Yes, he did. And also, um, you know, I just have to say, like, when I met Ashley and when I read this book, in my mind, kind of the plan was, oh, I could become a guardian at litem, which is a person who interacts with these kids. And you don't have them in your home, but you go and meet with them and just make sure that their needs are being met, that the foster, camp, the foster family is um, taking care of them. And you just try and develop a good relationship so that they can have, you know, a healthy adult relationship that they can trust and rely on. And so that was kind of my initial thought actually, when after, um, after this experience in Florida is I thought, okay, like I can go home and I have these five kids already in my family, but I can become a guardian at Lightham. So that was, that was kind of the plan. And so we came back home, came to Utah. I looked into that and it wasn't as easy as I had thought that it was going to be, or that, it, that I had maybe like thought it sounded to be, but I don't, I didn't, I didn't really pursue that. So that this was like in March, I think when we went to this conference. And so things just kind of got put on the back burner until May. And I remember in May, I was on Instagram and saw a post that said it was like foster care awareness month. And I was like, Oh, or I saw a hashtag, I think that said foster care awareness month that I clicked on. And it took me to like these posts that had all these different stuff about foster care. So then I started reading more about it and looking through these different things. And it just kind of kept that like fire burning of like, okay, like I need to do something like there's something I can do. What can I do to help? And then, and I think that was probably right around when Brady was reading yeah. the book as well. So I had a trip to Canada where I was actually going on a hunt. And, and this is a hunt that would require me to sit, ironically enough, in a tree stand for a very long time, <laughs> multiple hours a day, like five, six hours a day um, for this week. 
And so I brought books and this was one of the books that I brought. And I remember sitting up in this tree stand, you have to be really quiet when you're up there and just turning the pages and reading this and just having some pretty cool experiences. Um, it's completely quiet, you're all by yourself. And uh, I remember not being super quiet because I was quite emotional with the things that I was reading um, about Ashley and about her life. And it was in a tree stand in Alberta, Canada, that I would say I had a paradigm shift and I had a complete change of heart with what foster care could be and, and what it could mean um, to a child or to children. And what that, that paradigm shift for me was, was ultimately I, I imagined and I thought if, if somebody came to our family or the Department of Child Services came to our family or a friend came to our family and they had a child there and that child was in desperate need. And keep in mind when a child goes into foster care, like if, if the parents are getting a D minus, the child stays in the home. They'll, they want to keep the child in the home. The only time that a child goes into foster care is when the parents are literally getting an F, they're failing. And so I envisioned if, if the Department of Family Services came to our, our house and they had this little child here who was in desperate need and had nowhere to go, and they asked us to take them and to care for them, would I do it? And the answer was no question, I would do that. I know I would do that. And I actually believe most people if faced in that circumstance would absolutely do that. And I could just envision up there in, in, in Canada when I was sitting there, I knew that there was children right then and there that were at that point and that our family were, that we were in a position um, to be able to take them in. And that's not saying that we had extra time or an extra spare bedroom or whatever it may be, because we didn't, we didn't have any of the above, but, um, but I knew that we were capable of taking in another child. And so it was at that point in time where I said, you know what, let's, let's go for it. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we, I think, you know, we still, we were more open to it, but we still didn't really do anything that summer. I think we, we kind of, you know, we were like, this is awesome. This is cool. We had a, a bunch of things planned in the summer. Um, you know, we went with our children and did vacations and they were, Ridge was playing baseball and just all these different things. And we kind of didn't really move forward with it. And then that fall, I went to a conference with a couple of my friends. We went to this women's conference where we heard different speakers. And one of the speakers was Tim Ballard, who runs um, Operation Underground Railroad. And he came and he shared his experience of how that started and how just about the children that they were helping. And the whole time that he was sharing that experience, I just knew that we should do foster care. And I just kept like telling myself, I guess, or, or having this voice tell me like, this is what you need to do. You need, you can help your thing to do is to like do foster care. And so I was like really excited about it, but I was also like really nervous about it. And I remember just coming home and just telling Brady like about the experience and just being like, Brady, like I had this experience. It was like so clear that we need to do foster care. And I still was like trying to talk myself out of it though. Cause I'm like, but I don't know when, like, I don't know when we should do it. Like, I, I know, I know we need to do foster care, but like right now our life is kind of crazy. Like it's kind of crazy with these five kids that we have. And so I just, I just was talking about it and I kept being like, you know, maybe someday and Brady's, I remember he was like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, we're going to have Nash and Cooper with us for a long time. So like maybe when everybody else leaves home and we just have Nash and Cooper, then that would be a good time for us to do foster care. 
Yeah, I, I remember the roles kind of reversed at that point in time because after my experience in Canada, I was I was ready. I was, I was gung ho. I was ready to do this. And in fact, I I you know we had one daughter and four boys, and I just I really could like envision like a little girl, another little girl in our family, and that was something that I could I could picture that I could I could feel that that we were going to get a little girl. And so I was, I was gung ho and, and Andrea was the one that was a little bit reserved at that point yeah, in time. I, yeah. I was like, you know, I had just had these really strong feelings of that we should do foster care. And it, it kind of scared me because I was like, well, how are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? I don't know. And I kind of tried to like, not really do anything about it. But then I just like every morning over and over, I would have these feelings of like, we need to do something. We've got to do something. And I kept telling Brady and he was like, well, then let's just do it. And I was like, well, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if like, I don't know about this. And there's all the what ifs and like, I don't know. And he was like, well, if you feel this strongly about it, he's like, let's at least just take the classes and see if we can even like become foster parents. And so I said, all right, let's do that. So we started the classes for foster care and I I know it's changed since the pandemic, but when we um, started the foster care classes, there were 12 classes, I believe there were a lot, 12 or 14 classes that we had to take. And we had to go into one of the offices, which we didn't really live close to one. We were kind of in the middle of the Salt Lake office and the Orem office. And you would, you had to go into the offices for a two hour, two and a half hour period of time. Three hours, six to nine. Yeah. Oh, that six to nine. So a three hour period of time, um, to go to these classes and they would, they would have speakers and they would do trainings and they just had all this different thing and they were all on different topics related to foster care. So you had to, you know, you had to get like all 12 of the different topics. And so a problem that we had was, you know, there was only like a couple offered every week. And so we kept missing, you know, like a topic, like we would be, have, have, Brady would be traveling or one of the kids would have something, or we just had a really hard time getting to all 12 of the different classes. And it, it was also challenging because we had to get a babysitter every time that we needed to go to these classes. And um, I remember those, that, that was a, a difficult thing because I would work all day and I would meet Andrea at the Utah foster care uh, office and she would have dinner for me and I would hurry and eat that. And then we would go in and, and we'd spend the rest of the evening there at these classes. Mm -hmm. And I never really looked forward to those, but when I was there and and after I took the class, I was always glad because it was great content. It was Mm -hmm. great material. Yeah. They were very informative classes and just great, um, great insight and great, great presenters and speakers. And as well, um, they have, you know, their trainers that are trained to train foster parents, but they also invited families, like people who had been in the foster care system or parents of foster care children, foster parents and birth parents. And just to see the the interaction and hear their stories was pretty incredible and really eye-opening to us. So um, like Brady said, like it was always a challenge to get there to those classes because just the, I remember thinking on some of the nights I was like, is this really going to work out? Because like, we can't even get to a class. Like it's so hard just to make it to a class class. And, you know, it's like early dinner and pick up the babysitter and trying to make sure everybody's where they need to be and running in and meeting Brady. And then, you know, it took our whole evening and we get back and the kids were in bed. And so, so it it was a challenge to get there. But like Brady said, once we would make it to a class, like we always left feeling uplifted, I believe. And it was always for me in the classes, probably the biggest takeaway that I had was this concept that they teach on never villainizing 
the parent. And so I, I think it's natural um, to think that if you, you know, in essence, are this superhero wearing this cape, rescuing this child from this horrible place, they come to this nice home and they're here with your family and they get home cooked meals and they're tucked in like that's so much better than what it was that they came from before, considering that, that just the horrible circumstances that they were in. And you'd think that it would be natural to, you know, say like, you know, look at the poor choices that your parents had made and, and look at the good choices that you can make and how much better that is to have that type of a mindset or an attitude towards um, the child. And they taught us that to these children, their parents are the superheroes. No matter how bad the circumstances were, those children want for nothing more than to go and, and be back with their mom and be back with their dad. And I had that paradigm shift in these trainings where I, I went from saying, hey, like I'm going to help protect these children from this bad circumstance or these bad people and completely changing that and saying, I'm in a partnership. I'm teaming up with these parents and together we are going to raise these children. And, uh, that was a big, big breakthrough for me. Yeah, it was, that was really a, an insight that we were so thankful for because it did give us that motivation to, to be, you know, team parents with their biological parents and, and to do all we could to help the biological parents as well. Because I think, um, you know, in those classes, we got really motivated saying, Hey, like, you know, like maybe we can help a kid, but maybe we can help their parent too. Maybe we can help families become stronger. Maybe we can help families stay together if we do this. And so that was really motivating to be able to learn that. Yep. And, you know, they would ask oftentimes in those classes, Hey, you guys, like, are you willing to adopt? Is that something that you're doing or are you doing this to adopt? And a lot of the families there were actually doing foster care with the intention to adopt. Mm -hmm. And that really wasn't our intention by any means. Yeah, we, we did not, um, they actually have you fill out a form and they ask you, you know, are you, do you intend to adopt? And we said, no, we don't intend to adopt, you know, kind of our goal. Open to it. We said, yeah, we said we're open to it, but our, our goal is to, you know, do this to be able to make a difference in the child's life and in the parent's life. So it took us almost a year to get through those classes. I remember yeah, it was a it weekly a thing trying to juggle and get through all of the classes, but we got through it, I think it was like 10 or 11 months that we, we yeah, that took us. It took us. us a little while to get through them, but we finally got through them and did all of the home study and the paperwork and the fingerprints and all of the things that, um, that you need to do as foster parents. And we received our foster care license in, um, November, November of 2018. And, um, then we, you know, and all throughout these classes, they kept saying, you know, that we just have such a need, like we need foster parents and they're always trying to recruit people to come take these classes and come become foster parents. And so, um, you know, we thought for sure when we got licensed that we would just get a call and we didn't, we got our license in November. We thought by Christmas we'd have a place. We thought by Christmas. Yeah. And, and mind you, like, you know, to, um, get licensed for foster care, like you have to have a bedroom prepared for them and certain amount of space and all those things. So like we had moved some of our kids out of one room and put the boys sharing a room in another room. And so we had made this empty room in our house for foster care children and they just never came. And so we, we waited for a few months and just never heard anything. And so, um, finally we called 
One of the one of the ladies who was over the licensing and we said, hey, you know, we have our license, but we haven't heard anything. Just wondering, you know, if you need us or whatever, we're still here. And she said, oh, yeah, OK, great. Yeah, thanks for thanks for reminding us. You know, we'll call you if there's a need. And then um, still just didn't hear anything Months. for a while. I mean, we got our, our license in like November and we, so December, <laughs> January, February, March, all go by. Yeah. We were thinking back to the classes and we're like, did, did we do something wrong in those classes? And I thought, you know, like in some of those, I was kind of tired and a little bit zoned <laughs> yeah. out. So maybe they just are like, Murray's can't get a, a child. Like, can't yeah, do we it. did think that we're like, maybe, we, maybe <laughs> we, they just don't think we're a good fit and maybe like we didn't do good in the classes. And so, yeah, maybe. Maybe they're just, yeah, maybe they just are not calling us because they're like, no, we don't, we don't want them to take any of the kids. We thought that we were going to have a placement by Christmas. And so we thought within a few weeks we were going to have these because they just kept talking about how they they had huge demand and a huge supply of children. And Christmas time was always a really bad time. And they really needed families during Christmas time. So we waited. Christmas came. Christmas went. And we did not get a call. January went by, February went by, March went by, April went by. We did not have a single call. And so we thought, I remember actually thinking in my mind, thinking, hey, like I've done everything that I was supposed to. If it's not meant to be, then I guess it's not meant to be. And uh, finally, Andrea called and asked him and said, hey, like we finished these classes back in November and we haven't heard anything from you guys. She said, really? Let me look it up. And she looked it up and she got back on and she was like excited, like, oh my heck, I didn't realize that you guys had passed these classes and you guys were ready. Yes, we will, we will immediately start to send uh, potential placements your way. And they did. I remember it was within like a matter of 24 hours that we started to get phone calls on these. And that was, yeah, that was kind of hard because, um, I remember the first one, I think it was the first one that came in. It was actually a multiple sibling group. It was like four siblings. Mm -hmm. And I think there was from teenage age all the way down to five or six years old. And we were actually, we had put on our, our paperwork that we were looking for a younger child and preferably younger than our youngest, which was Mason. And Mason was four, four, four at the time. And so we had to say no on that one. And that one was, that was hard, you know, because you know that there's a, a, a child in need there. There's a family in need. Mm -hmm. And then another one I remember we were gone at a, a family vacation uh, that summer and we got a call and they said that they have this little girl and they that someone had seen her being sexually abused in a park in Salt Lake City and that they needed a place to take her right now. Like we're on our way right now. And, um, and we were gone and we were going to be gone for multiple days. And so I, I know we would have taken that little girl and if we would have been home and, uh, I don't, you know, we obviously don't know what happened after that, but we had multiple calls that yeah, were we coming did. in. Yeah. We started getting calls. We had a few and none that we were able to take, um, for various reasons. And so, that was just kind of the way it was. And the summer started rolling on and Brady and Ridge went on a trip to Alaska. They were up in Alaska and I got another phone call and actually 
back up just a little bit. We had done a couple days of respite care That's and right. we had, I had, um, just it, it, essentially respite care is like when another foster parent needs a break, um, we would watch the, watch children for them, foster children for them. And then also, um, there was a little set of twins that we watched one day as well. Um, while their foster parents went to a court thing. And so we'd had just, you know, little calls like that, that we were able to help with, but we had not had a placement. And so while Brady was in Alaska, I received a call from foster care and, um, from DCFS and they asked, they said, Hey, we have two little girls who just need a place to stay for a couple of days until we can find their family to come and get them. Um, you know, they're not even from Utah. They're actually, um, based in their home is in Colorado, but they were traveling from California to Colorado and were involved in this car accident here in Utah. Mom is incarcerated and we just need to find family who can come pick them up. So they said, can you take them for a day or two? And I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, we're home and we can do that. And so didn't, I didn't call, didn't me. call Brady. So it didn't matter. I, I was gone that <laughs> yeah, week. He was gone. So, um, I hung, I did call him after I just didn't ask him. I told him, yeah, bring him over. And then I hung up the phone and then I called Brady and said, Hey, guess what, honey? And he's like, what? And I said, well, we're having two little girls from foster care come and stay with us. And he was like, okay, great. And you know, he said, what, what's the story? And I told him and he said, okay, well, they'll probably be gone by the time I get home then. And, um, so that they came and that was Willow and Livy are wonderful little girls that we are adopting right now. And so, yeah, we hadn't, we had no idea really that it would turn into what it turned into because it, you know, it didn't sound like it would, but I do remember when they came to us, I remember they pulled up and they were brought in a minivan by a man who works for DCFS. And he came and knocked on the door and he didn't get the girls out of the van. He came and knocked on the door and I could tell just like stress in his face and his voice. And he said, Hey, he said, I'm just bringing you these two girls. And he said, could you help me come get them out of the car? Cause they're really upset. And he said, yeah, I, I can do that. So, um, we went out and opened the van door and there were just these two beautiful little girls just crying in the back seat in their, their car seats. And I remember I started talking to him and, you know, asking their names and he told me their names. And so I started talking to him and Willow immediately calmed down and let me get her out of her car seat. And Brindley came out there too. And I think I passed Willow to Brindley and I started getting Livy out of her car seat. And she had this bottle that she was just like holding on to for dear life. And just, you know, really attached to this little bottle. And so we got her out and took her in the house and got her some more milk. And, and we were really excited. Like we, you know, they were just so cute and darling. And all the kids were like, Oh, you know, just wanting to play with them and entertain them. And we spread out a blanket on the kitchen floor and got some toys out and we're just trying to, you know, make them happy. And Willow immediately warmed up to the kids and just immediately, felt comfortable. You could tell she, her and Brinley just bonded really quick. And I remember she was just sitting on Brinley's lap and Brinley was kind of doing her hair and just talking about how cute she was and everything. And I remember Brinley being like, mom, like they could be my sisters. Like, what if we adopt them? And I remember just being like, don't get your hopes up. Like they're just going to be here for a couple of days, you know? And, and so it was, it was kind of an interesting thing. And then with Livy, like, you know, she, I could tell was, was more traumatized. Um, she, was very, very clingy and just wanted me to hold her and just wanted to hold on to that bottle too. Just didn't want to let go of her bottle. And, um, it was a little bit more rough for her. I remember that first night, how hard it was to try and get them to go to bed. They were 
so scared as you can imagine, right? Like being in this brand new environment with these people that you just did not even know. And they had a rough, rough night, but you know, they were, their bedroom was right next to mine. And so every time they would start to cry, I would go in there and lay by him and rub their backs and get him back to sleep. And this went on for a couple of days and DCFS called and said, Hey, you know, we're having a hard time finding family to come and get them. You know, how are they doing? Can they stay there longer or do we need to transfer them again? And of course, after they had been there for a couple of days, there was no way like I was going to let them be transferred to another foster care family because they were just getting comfortable. And I felt like all that, all that work of trying to help them be comfortable. Like I just didn't want to go to waste and, and, you know, and like, and we were enjoying our time with them. And so I said, you know, don't worry about it. They're fine here. Um, they can stay here as long as they need to. And do you want to say anything about that, Brain? Perfect. So, uh, Andrea FaceTimed with me and I saw these two beautiful little girls that were in our family and in our home. And, it looked like I was actually going to be able to meet them because the couple of days that they were planning on staying with us looked like it might be a little bit longer as Andrea had shared. So when I got home, it was early one morning. We took the red eye and came in and came walking in and I first saw Willow and she was just kind of happy-go-lucky girl and excited and she's kind of curious who I was and she's she's pretty nice and, and I was really nice to her. And then I saw Livy, and the second that she saw me, she started to scream. And that was uh, that was how it was for I don't know how long. At least a week. <laughs> At least a week, and I feel like more like a month or two that that she um, she just didn't want. She had that same reaction with any man. Then anytime that she saw a man, she just did not want anything to do with that person. And so that was uh, our introduction into uh, me walking into the home. I felt like a stranger in my own house with the way these guys <laughs> looked at me like, who are you and why are you here? And who is this little boy that you've got with you as well? And so, you know, that that was uh, our introduction to, to foster care. We still have only had one placement in, this is almost three years now, more than over three years that we've been licensed to be foster parents we've only had one placement and it's funny because we planned on having multiple placements we thought that we would have multiple children that we would help to be able to get back with their families but I think that's a, a great episode for another podcast coming up so sounds like a plan yeah thanks we, for joining us yeah, today I appreciate everybody joining and uh, looking so forward to continuing on right with this now. conversation 